everybody. Welcome to the Embodying Her podcast. I am your host, Kelly O. Today, we are going to be continuing our mini series on pregnancy loss. And for our guest today, I have a friend and former professor from my time at the American University of Rome. She has been living in Italy for 36 years, currently residing in the countryside outside of Rome. She is the alumni liaison for the American University of Rome and Professor Emerita at the American University of Rome. Please welcome Professor Emerita Kathleen Fitzsimmons. Thrilled to be here, Kelly. So happy to, to be here and wish you best of luck with your podcast series. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kathleen. I am so happy to have you. I want to, before we launch into the bulk of the interview, I want to give everyone just a little bit of context here. So this happened to Kathleen, the pregnancy loss, I believe it was 29 years ago, and it happened in Italy. And so that's going to kind of frame all of the questions here in a different way. Let's go ahead and get into it. How are you feeling today? Super. Of course, I retired a year ago after 25 years at the university, so I am having a fabulous time being retired, living out in the countryside, north of Rome, so who could ask for anything more? <laughs> and and I'm thrilled to be talking to one of my former students. I mean, this is just one of the best parts of being a retired professor is staying in touch with all of her former students. And I'm, you do such a good job with it. You're very proactive and definitely a pillar of the AUR community. So I'm thrilled to be talking with you as well. So welcome, welcome. Let's go ahead and get into it. Why don't you walk us through your experience with your pregnancy loss in as much detail as you'd like to share? To give a little bit of perspective, as you mentioned, I've been in Italy for, for 35 years. I met Roberto, my husband, 36 years ago. And it was that meeting that kind of you know changed my life. And, you know, I wasn't really interested in having, I mean, I'd never been motivated to have children or, you know, was a professional woman in New York City and never really thought about, you know, having kids or family, you know, didn't think about that as a goal per se. It wasn't until after I was in this relationship with him and realized at a certain point, yes, this was Mr. X, this was the guy I was going to spend my life with, that I started to develop feelings for, you know, can we create something bigger than us? Should we create something bigger than us? Is our love enough to support more than us? And so I met him when I was 32. We were together for four years, I would say, before I finally said, yeah, let's, I, okay, I want to have children. I want to have children with you. So I was 36 when we began that, that process. And funnily enough, you know, the great irony in life, God damn, you know, you spend your whole life trying not to get pregnant. And of course, you know, so I figured, you know, 36, <laughs> it was going to happen the next month, right? Yeah. And it didn't happen that next month. And it didn't happen the month after that, the month after that, or the year after that, you know? And so for us, it was a three-year, basically, you know, three years of visits and spe specialists, fertility specialists and tests and, you know, trying to figure out what the hell was going on and why we weren't getting pregnant. And working with a fabulous doctor here in Rome. And finally, it happened after a bunch of tests. And the month after I had a test 
basically that was supposed to blow air through the fallopian tubes and get pregnant. I have never heard of that. That's interesting that that's what helped. I, I'm I, glad I wish I could remember the name of the test. I should have looked it up before I talked to you, but one of the many procedures, you know, like we kind of went through during those three desperate years was this test to clear the fallopian tubes to make sure the eggs were coming down through the fallopian tubes correctly. And the month after I did that, I got pregnant. And of course we were thrilled, very happy and kept it secret for the first three months, you know, as I think everyone should, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. And then I guess I went for my four month checkup and went into the doctor and was telling him, you know, that, oh, things have changed. And I really, I don't feel the pain in my boobs that I, you know, was feeling for the first three months. And, you know, was chatting along, not realizing that he already knew what he was going to find when he did the sonogram. And in fact, the, the, the baby had died. And that was the four, four months checkup. And it was pretty, it was very devastating. It was devastating. And I mean, fortunately, Roberto was like parked outside. So was able to come in to the doctor's office and kind of help me deal with, with the news, which was just terrible. Because by that time, because it was after those the, the magic you know, three months, we had shared the information with his family, with my family, his family here in Italy, my family in the United States. And so there were a lot of people happy for us. And, yeah. and so we were, you know, it was, it was a, 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 you know, a terribly sad time. And I remember we were leaving for the mountains. We had planned to go to the mountains that weekend. It was a Friday afternoon when I was in Dr. Kolikia's office and this all happened. And we decided to go anyway. We got into the car and we decided to drive up to the mountains anyway. And I remember screaming the entire drive screaming the entire drive and screaming fundamentally the whole weekend you know I just lost it lost it so there was a lot of anger and you had to get out it, it was just so I mean it, I I just was I I couldn't believe that this had been taken away from me after three years of, of suffering for this hoping for this you know that we had lost it and at this point I'm 39 years old you know, so I'm thinking, okay, this is this is the end. This is just terrible. After having lived with this goal, let's say for for three years, so it was. I remember I was happy. I was up in the mountains because nobody could hear me scream, and I just was just screaming basically for the whole weekend. I think it's important to move those emotions out of you physically. I have had some experiences too, and we tend to keep things bottled up. One of my therapists was like, go home and scream. So I think that was probably very healing. <laughs> Looking back on it, probably was a very cathartic, about, you know, probably like you say, you know, perhaps a therapist would have told me to do that. You know, I didn't have a therapist. It was just, it just came naturally. And it terrified Roberto, I have to say. It just terrified him to, to watch this happening. But yeah, it was a devastating, devastating loss, even though it was still quite early you know, yeah, fourth month. But you probably felt like you were safe because, you know, it was that fourth month, you know, you started telling people. I have a question just to follow up on one of the things that you said. Roberto was outside 
is that standard? Was he not allowed to come in with you or? Oh, no, I think it was just a parking thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're in Rome, was... right? We should remind our, our listeners that we're in Italy. So we're in the in Rome. My doctor was like in the center of Rome. And so it was just classic for typically monthly visits. Doctor was fabulous. You know, every month, by the way, we would have a, a, a sonogram. Yeah. That was just part of the monthly checkup. So that was very exciting. And we also recorded them. So, you know, I would walk out with this recording to share with Roberto afterwards. So what were the next steps in your healing process? What healing practices helped you or who did you reach out to? God, yeah. Well, I would say in, in terms of healing practice, certainly the, the, the screaming <laughs> helped. The yelling helps. That yelling helps. I mean, I can't, I can't overestimate or overemphasize the the importance of having gotten that out. And I'm not sure, you know, it was just a unique combination of events that because we had that weekend in the mountains since we were able to do that. Obviously, if you're going home to your apartment or, you know, your your townhouse or whatever, you're not going to have that opportunity. But that that certainly helped. Having to talk to the the family, you know, whether it was my family on the phone or Roberto's family in, in person was difficult, but also helped to, you know, I guess, come to closure or whatever the the phrase you might want to use. And it helped them mourn as well, you know, because this big Italian, you know, Roberto's big Italian family, they had already, you know, started making plans for, you know, the christening and who was going to make the, you know, the little baptism robe that they used, the little baptism gown that they use here in Italy. You know, so everybody had gotten invested in, in that short month, let's say that we had shared the news with them. So talking with them was helpful. My sisters-in-law, I mean, you know, a lot of big family, my sisters-in-law were good to talk to, even though they had not experienced the same thing. They had had children and they were very different. They had had children, they'd gotten married early and had children early. Right. So okay. it was a very different, you know, kind of, kind of experience, but it was great to talk to them. I think I just you know, talked to them about the loss. And of course, everybody was cheerleading, you know, okay, well, get over this and get back, you know, get back up at bat and do it again. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel, you know, moving into that frame of mind? I definitely wanted, you know, I was willing to move forward and and talking with the doctor too. You know, he said, you know, the tubes are open, you know, as they, as they, as he said in Italian, you know, the fact that this test that I had done had obviously had some impact. And so I had gotten pregnant. He said, you know, just take a month, you know, and, and take it easy. And then, you know, a month from now, you know, start trying again. So he was very supportive and very, he was a great cheerleader because he said, you know, this, this happened, it'll happen again just get back to work. And you know? so I, that was, that was reassuring as, as devastated as I was. That's so odd that he said, you know, that it, it would happen again, or it could happen again. I guess he wanted to help you wrap your mind around that. Maybe that was his goal. Well, I, th I think, you know, he was, he was underlining the success that we had had. Right. And that's so, important to do because y'all had been trying for three years, you said. Three that, years, three yeah, years, right. That's smart. I and see what he was like, doing okay. now. So, it, you know, it finally happened. And whatever was, 
you know, was wrong with that fetus, whatever was, you know, did not go well with that particular pregnancy. He said, you know, it's completely random. It's not something that you'll necessarily carry forward. Every pregnancy is different. So again, a good thing to underline. That's awesome. And I remember just pounding him about, you know, what happened? What went wrong? You know, asking him all these questions was the glass of wine that I had before, you know, I knew I was pregnant. You know, I was like analyzing all of these things that, you know, what was it that I did? And he was like, none of that. It was none of that. It's nothing that you did. You know, it just happens. One in, whatever the number is, a thousand, it just doesn't, doesn't develop and, and you lost it. I think the thing that was most difficult for me is that I didn't lose it. I had to then go have the equivalent of an abortion after I we discovered it, right? Because the fetus had died. It hadn't, you know, I didn't lose it. I didn't, it wasn't a miscarriage. And so that was perhaps the, you know, the part that was most terrible, you know, going in and and having the DNC or whatever you know, the process is the equivalent of an abortion when what you wanted was everything, but of course. Yeah. I, I have come to understand cause I've had one other guest that act, had to go and have that same procedure for the same reason. And she said that was the part that was the most scary, the most devastating, you know, all those, all those big emotions that you, you feel was Roberto allowed to like go in and like be with you. When I did that, no, no. Okay. But that was okay because I was knocked out. So it didn't matter. I mean, they were very good. They were very good about it. Okay. So um, the nurses were all yeah, very comforting. They didn't and- treat it as an abortion. You know That's what I mean? Good. They treated it as a, a DNC. I mean, they treated it as a, a medical procedure that needed to be done, not an abortion. And so I was knocked out for it, which was great. Yeah. And uh, a lot of care was taken. I, assume. So that's wonderful that you had that team, that team around you. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had others reach out to you for questions or concerns as it, you know, as they're recovering for this? Cause we spoke a little before you don't want people to feel alone with this as well. I've always been very vocal as appropriate, you know, about the fact that I had had this experience and not wanting people to, to feel alone, you know, and so, and I've got this, you know, network of former students, for example, of, of alums at, at AUR, family members, people I know through the Girl Scout network, because I'm involved with Girl Scouts overseas. And so there've been, I don't know, maybe a dozen times that I was able to say to somebody, I've done, this has happened to me too, and had a conversation. Who knows whether I was able to help that person. But I, I think if you're not surrounded by a big loving family, which I was, I think this can be a very isolating experience. And I don't think that the the institutions, you know, as as you know, we have national health care in Italy, there's, you know, loads of, of positive aspects of that, but there's no sense of you know, support groups, there's, you know, that's not part of the Italian experience. And so in a moment like this, there's, the, you know, the presumption is you've got family to depend on. There isn't an institutional, you know, support group. And so when I've known that people have gone through this, I've made an effort to let them know that 
I also went through it. Sometimes I want to talk, sometimes I don't. That's wonderful that you put yourself out there like that. I think it's important that we share. I mean, that's one of the pillars of this podcast. So yes, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who is recovering from pregnancy loss right now? I would say exactly what Dr. Kolikia said to me, take a month off and keep trying. Yeah. And you did. And you have a I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, the irony uh, is, is, is he was right. The next month I got pregnant. The very next and, month. Wow. And my daughter is 28 years old. That's right. And um, she's great. I've met her. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I would say there is always hope and don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged as shitty as it might seem. And sometimes, you know, what happens when you're trying to get pregnant, sometimes it just like comes down to, it becomes a scientific thing, you know, whether you're doing basal body thermometer or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, oh, honey, come home for lunch. You know, I, my temperature, I mean, they're just, it becomes, it kills your sex life, number one. And number two, it just becomes so methodical and so kind of scientific, right? Divorced from the love of these two people who just want to extend their love to to a family. So I, I would say keep trying and try not to get sucked into the, the the kind of more scientific, methodical, you know, aspects of what we do when we're trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. It gets very scientific, especially if you've been trying for, you know, more than two or three months, it starts to be. Yeah. To be and, very and, scientific. I mean, and that's what's so, so, so funny, as I mentioned before, it's so ironic, you know, I spent, I don't know, 20 years trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> I figured, of course, I'm going to get pregnant immediately at 36. Not at all. So I, you know, so that's, you know, that's the biggest surprise is, is, that you actually have to to deal with the alternative to getting pregnant, which is not getting pregnant. So yeah, anyway, in terms of advice, I would say absolutely keep keep trying and try to try to keep, you know, the love in your sex life. That's beautiful. I love that. And I actually really love at the very beginning we were talking and you said that the question y'all you had posed to yourself when y'all were starting to decide whether or not y'all wanted to family is, do we have enough love to bring another person mm-hmm. in? And I just think that's a wonderful way to contemplate having, having a child. That's a lovely way. Instead of it just being like a checklist item to your, you know, the next thing on the list for your life. I think, yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely. a beautiful way. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think I often marvel at, you know, kind of the checklist, I guess what you're referring to is the checklist approach, you know, okay, now I've done this, I've done this. No, okay. Now we need children. No, it's, it's, it's not like that because, you know, it takes such a, a commitment and it co- fundamentally changes your life. And if you are ready for that, as I was, you know, when Eileen showed up and it was just a hoot. <laughs> For like 10 years, right? It was, I mean, every single day was just something fun and something exciting, you know? And so it was the great payoff after all of this pain that we had, that I had suffered, you know, in those years that I was trying, but I was like super, super ready. And if you're not like really into the concept of being a mom and having fun 
and seeing the world through the eyes of of this child like don't bother i mean like <laughs> there's a lot of other people having babies you don't have to have a baby yeah that's very true it's very true well again thank you so much for sharing your experience with us i really appreciate you coming on i know in my heart that these episodes are falling on the right ears and that the person who needs these words will get to them and yes thank you very much for coming on Thank you, Kelly. I'm so happy that you're putting together this series. This series and the other aspects, you know, the, of your of your podcast series, just you know, focusing on women's health and and uh, tough questions that that sometimes we don't have a lot of support for. So brava. brava. Thank you. I appreciate your support. <laughs> all right. Peace and love, everybody. I can't wait to talk to y'all again. And we will see you next time. <laughs>